The views and opinions expressed in the Pisada Tales are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of the people, institutions, or organizations that they may or may not be associated with professionally or personally unless explicitly stated. Any content provided by the host and guests are of their own knowledge and opinion and do not intend to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Hello everyone, uh, Jay here. Uh, just want to say a few things before we begin this week's episode. First off, uh, you might notice from this week's episode that my audio quality is a bit off compared to my recent episodes. I would like to sincerely apologize for the poor quality uh, as there was a recording error on my part and I was only able to see that during the editing. Uh, that said, I would like to give major thanks to Sir Jack of Jack Talks Tech. Uh, he was kind enough to help me out and fix the quality of the audio as much as he can. And we here really appreciate all his help and support. Uh, be sure to check out his tech news podcast, uh, Jack Talks Tech, where every week he delivers the latest in technology around the world. So thank you. Thank you, Sir Jack. <laughs> Second, I would just like to give a comment, uh, especially on current events both here and abroad as you'll find out in a bit today's episode is you know somewhat of a controversial one and it kind of speaks to how our current education system is a product of how our leaders craft policies that directly affect it and while a lot of divisive rhetoric has been thrown around in recent months we at the Pisara Tales believe that educating the public about these issues and elevating the discourse is key for a well-informed society. With all the news about you know these acts of valid, valid dissent, right, both here in the Philippines and abroad, like in Thailand and U.S., you know, with all these acts being silenced by oppressive regimes, it is key that now more than ever we as a society continue to tackle hard issues like these with open hearts and open minds. Only then can we really begin to change the world for the better. Through education, you can also better yourselves in other ways. You learn how to learn, how to think critically and find solutions to unexpected challenges. Education also teaches you the value of discipline. You can learn how to be a better human being. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pissarra Tales. I'm Jay Mestrelia, or Sir Jay, as my students call me. And this podcast is all about my thoughts and experiences as a young millennial teacher. Welcome. Uh, thank you uh, to our audiences. Thank you for listening through this podcast, whether you're listening to Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we hope that you enjoy your time here. <laughs> and we hope that uh, you learn something new today. All right? So... Uh, this week, we have another guest, right? Uh, he is uh, a graduate of BA Anthropology in the University of the Philippines, Diliman. He worked at the Center for Disaster Preparedness, which is an, a non-governmental agent, uh, organization, rather, and also taught for, taught for two years uh, at the campus of U- University of the Philippines in Mindanao. And currently, he is finishing some writing and working on his master's in creative writing. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... Lakan Umali. 
Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, JM. Thank you for having me here on your podcast. Thank you, Thank you as well. Uh, wala akong sound effects, so ganun lang. Uh, like, low production lang ako. <laughs> How are you? How have you been? I mean, like everyone else, trying to not lose my mind in quarantine. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, our, we're all struggling, so understandable. Uh, are you, you're, like I mentioned, you are doing some writing right now. Do you mind sharing what's that about? Um, yeah, I, I'm just writing some historical fiction about martial law. Hopefully, I'll, because I'm... A aim to look for a job by January, so hopefully aim to finish it by right. January, so I can just edit, send to a publisher, hopefully. Yeah. But yeah, right. try to focus because it's one of the few opportunities you know where I can actually yeah. write. <laughs> True, and it and it is for a degree, so at least there's something out of it. You were a student at UP Dilipan. We're both from UP Diliman, although we didn't know each other back in college. As personally, we only got to know each other like. Uh, after college and I guess and just from mutual friends lang din and, and to Twitter which is very prolific <laughs> useful uh, very useful um, how are you as a student? Uh, like were you the studious one? were you medyo bulakbol ka pa? ano ba? And what kind of a student were you? I was very, I was, I was a very studious student, you know. When you come from that particular private high school background, and I'm sure you can yeah. relate to this, because even if Pisai isn't a private high school. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's different very, kind of quote-unquote public high school. Yeah, It's, it's that, very competitive it's very as far competitive. as I know. Yeah. And you know that the kind of desire when you get into college to try to do your best, and then you st- quickly get this illusion because it's UP. Kaya, of course, you'll, you're, you're working under different standards. But that was my goal, really. You know, to get the highest grades, mm-hmm. to be able to graduate with Latin honors. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much everyone's goal. But pero at least, I believe you graduated with Latin honors, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, like, well, graduated Latin honors, I mean, there are certain benefits, of course. You don't have mm-hmm. to take a civil service exam. Yeah. I didn't take a civil service exam. However, like, I, I, like, I realized in UP, it's really late that you don't necessarily learn everything in the classroom. Yeah. Right? Of course. I mean, that's one thing, like, pretty much anyone who went through UP would learn is that not everything is learned in the classroom. So. Yeah, it's yeah. very uh, education is very experiential. Um, do you have any teachers who you loved or inspired you to be who you are right now? Oh yeah, of course, of course. We've all had yeah. teachers like that. Anyway. Would you mind sharing some, the, some examples? Yeah. Well, the running joke is that every 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 little gay boy's hero is their English teacher. So of course, <laughs> I had several English teachers when I was in high school okay, had a huge right. impact on me. Yes, yes, of course. Like who? Do you mind sharing who? Yeah, I remember I had this one teacher in first year high school. Like I went to a really, um, I went to a really macho all boys high school, mm-hmm. and I came out like this. <laughs> but I remember really, I had this one teacher. I was in first year high school. She was suffering a lot because the, the the kids really unruly, of course. You know, yeah. being in a room full of thirteen year old boys is gonna be yeah. a challenge for anyone. The nightmare. However, she nightmare. But she assigned us this one short story before. It was Amado de Guillos, the, the Wedding Dance. It's one of the classic stories in Philippine literature. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading it and I was like, oh, there are things like this, pala, like short stories which can make you feel things and which portray these experiences which are very interesting. And then later on, I think that's what 
partly that's that's one of the reasons also why I went into anthropology because in anthropology even though it's a social science you learn so much about the stories of people and I found that I had this the teachers that I really like in college were the ones who were very good when it came to bringing out the stories in people I had this one anthropologist professor Maita Keban she's a brilliant professor she's a medical anthropologist she's also a lawyer and then whenever she would lecture she would always lecture with so much energy mm-hmm. kaya I'm a bit wary paren of online teaching because it's still a different yeah you know, it's a different nabawasan yung nabawasan yung dimension eh, ng teaching na you can be lively you can go around the mm-hmm. room for example yeah likewise mm-hmm. I miss that kasi animated din ako magturo eh like I practice yeah, writing yeah. the board so. Yeah, I always found the best teachers were the performers, the ones who knew what to emphasize, yeah, what how to play with the mood of the class, yeah. you know, what what to highlight, what to not highlight so much in the readings, and they would be able to at least feed off the energy in the class. And that's what Mamai and a lot of other professors did in in college, and yeah. I wanted to try to emulate them when I was teaching. Ah, wow, that's really good. I mean, at least that also shaped you being as an educator was. Teaching something uh, in your mind when you were a student, or was it something that you just realized after college? When did you start thinking about being a teacher? It was more of during uh, college and a bit after college, because I think it was more of like I had seeds of it, of course, before I graduated. But after I graduated, I realized that, especially in a course like the social sciences and the humanities, mm-hmm. where in You don't necessarily retain all the information. Like you don't retain what year this particular work was written, or you don't retain like root Benedicts to classic type yeah. societies. No. <laughs> However, what you do retain is a particular way of thinking, a critical way of thinking, wherein the the teachers the the teachers that you really love they manage to teach you how to. Look at the world critically and how to create creative solutions to problems, which yeah. is very difficult to teach. You know, it's not something yeah. that you can necessarily measure, but it's something which is very important. So that's what I kind of wanted to do when I was teaching. It didn't matter if my students could memorize all the specific details of a particular reading, yeah. but I wanted to be able to see if I give them a problem, would they be able to think of something creative to respond to it? It, the skills I think are sometimes more important than the actual bookish knowledge that uh, teachers would teach. Yeah. Like for example, you know, knowing what to find in a reading, for example, how to analyze or how to look mm-hmm. at it from a certain lens. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's pretty much what most teachers would want out of their students. Not just you know knowing well, when this particular event happened or who did it, mm-hmm. etc. So you became a teacher. You've been now. I mean. Let's just talk about the elephant in the room. You're from UP Diliman. Why yeah, yeah. UP Mindanao? How did you get there? I needed to grow. My God, <laughs> I needed to grow. I needed my ladybird experience. Shut <laughs> up. You just you just wanted to go elsewhere. Is that it? I needed a different perspective mm-hmm. because, well, I, I grew up in Manila, but I spent two years in Baguio when I was really young. Yeah, and then. I was very sheltered, of course, in high school, and I only really started going out into the world, you know, meeting people, talking to people, learning. I was so I like I barely even went out when I was a teenager. Like I was <laughs> the typical. Wait, where are you from? What province? Here in San Juan, I'm not from Okay, okay. So I Metro Manila person. Yeah. So I needed to 
go out and gain a different perspective on things. And of course, he needed to learn also to be more independent. Yeah. And there was an opening UP Med now, so I thought to apply. And I was very grateful for that. Actually, parang I think it's not satisfactory to call it ladybird experience because the entire like UP Med now was just parang there for my own development, which it wasn't because like yeah. I, I, I learned so much from, from them as well. teaching there. And I learned I really not just like I wasn't just changed as a person. It wasn't just a coming of age, but it was also really understanding the day-to-day lives of people who are not like us, you know, because live like the students of UP Mindanao are drastically different from the students of Diliman. Yeah. And the sad thing is that like I noticed that especially with a lot of higher administrators, higher government officials, you know, they make all these decisions, uh, all these decisions which have nationwide consequences without necessarily understanding, you know, how this can affect people yeah, differently, yeah. you know. And something as big as the UP system in particular, mm-hmm. right? it's not just Diliman, it's not just UPN, it's not just LB. Mm-hmm. You have the other campuses as well. And so it can be easy to you know, propose propose something and then not consider like the other uh, campuses nationwide as well. Because yeah, of So you taught there for two years. Uh, when was this? This was 20... 2018. Yeah, 2018. Academic year 2018, 2019, that yeah. was 2019, 2020. Yeah. And then the latter part of the 2019, 2020 is yung nabut na natin. Yeah, ng quarantine. Ng quarantine. Yeah. So, also, you, so you flew back here to yeah, quarantine with family because there's space. You know, I had like in, in, in Davo, I had this very small boarding house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so at least, ano, and at least you're with your family. So, in ever, namumangyar sa'yo. So, that's approach how are you as a what were the subjects for pala what are the subjects that you taught there uh, i taught a lot i taught ge's and i also taught major right. subjects you know the ge classes were the classes with a lot of students from different courses mm-hmm. so phil art philippine arts arts one so you really had to do a very interdisciplinary approach to it because you had i had students from architecture mm-hmm. anthropology food technology uh of course english uh, uh, English creative writing. So I would tend to adjust. When it came to GE classes especially, I would adjust the content a little bit. Like if I had the architecture block, I would yeah. focus a bit more on the visual arts. However, that, that was challenging, of course, since there it often reached huge class class sizes, you know, 30. Like how, how big? 30 to 40? 30 to 40 people, yeah. Okay. Especially if there's like one huge block. Mm-hmm. However, I also taught major subjects. I taught a lot of major subjects actually because... Uh, I, because we were only like around four, four or five full-time faculty members in mm-hmm. one degree program and two lecturers. So, so I thought... Maraming kayong units. Maraming allotted na units para sa teaching units. Not necessarily. Because mar- sa UP naman, you have the minimum of 12 units for a full load. Yeah. However, the difference is that in UP Min, I noticed that the teachers do a lot of preparations. Like, for mm-hmm. example, if you taught in Diliman English 13, you would usually teach English 13, same subject to four different classes. Yeah. But in UP Min, you would teach like Phil Arts, then you'd also teach Arts 1, then you'd teach English 21, which is service. Iba iba talaga ng sub- iba ibang subject. Yeah. Yeah, iba, iba. I remember this one semester, I taught like English language, poetry, and critical theory. 
God, I, I sobrang ang drastic nung ano <laughs> from from English biglang COVID yeah I can imagine yeah, totally. kasi currently like you know mm-hmm. I I am a science teacher but in the different uh, sub sections that I teach iba iba mm-hmm. like one in one section I would teach biology in one section I would oh, teach really? chemistry and then is in a math physics para depende kasi kung paano ko hinabi yung Uh, yung lesson plan nila and I didn't think it through I guess <laughs> na parang magkakaiba so, no talaga oh my god uh, so kasi all branches I have to teach um, but I tried to put it in such a way that I actually don't remember what what my, what my thought process was when I was making the curriculum but anyway okay. <laughs> I'm now suffering for it but it's fine so were there any memorable moments when you were at, uh, when you were a teacher you did mention that you know the kids at UP Mindanao are different from Uh, the kids that are in UP Diliman, of course, not just in their culture, I suppose, but uh, behavior. Do you have any memorable experiences teaching them? Yeah, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. I realized it really is. When we were UP Diliman students, of course, like we thought that kulang tayo sa resources, which is true, naman, like yeah. compared to other private universities, especially like universities in yeah, the first. There, we do have like things that we are yeah. lacking. Yeah, we have things which are lacking. But when I went to UP Diliman, it It was an entirely different experience, talaga. Like mm-hmm. I remember the first when I got there, namablema ako. Like how would I, how would I give students photocopies of readings? Because like, walang kaksen dileman. There's so many photocopiers, but like in UP Min, there was only like one photocopier on campus. Oh, Tapos it was privately. It was yung yung may ari yung karinderia, so it was like uh-huh. 1.5 pesos per 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 page. Mahal, mahal pa yung. Oh, mahal pa yung photocopy and then like sa sa atin meron tayong mga college libraries but in yeah. like UP Min there was uh, our college didn't have a library there was like this we had to go to the main library which was a bit of a walk away mm-hmm. and then talagang when it comes to student spaces you know student spaces tambayans yeah. uh, facilities it really is far more lacking as compared to, to, to UP Diliman even when it comes to something even when it comes to something like uh, the allocation of uh, f- faculty items for example you know mm-hmm. giving items to you know f- to be able to hire new personnel okay. and hire new teaching personnel and administrators no talagang kulang UP men my god ang, uh, and it's also bad practice of UP then you know we tend to we tend to romanticize UP and we tend to put it on pedestal <laughs> but it yeah. does a lot of the same questionable labor contractualization yeah. <laughs> uh, using uh, precarious labor that a lot of which government is, agents which is unfortunately unavoidable sometimes yeah. kasi nga yeah. being a government institution deep, mm-hmm. wala pa rin namang tatapos sa contractualization uh, but how did being a teacher in particular change your views on education if at all like of uh, course yeah. we had when we were students we had this idea of what education is or should be but when you became a professor yourself did it change or did it only reinforce how did uh, how did that affect your your views of course it really it really demystified my idea of a teacher or a professor because when you're a student right you tend to look at your professor or your teacher and you're like oh my god they can do nothing wrong they're amazing uh, yeah. you know they're perfect and that unfortunately leads to a lot of uh, a lot of Uh, negative ramifications because you know teachers aren't perfect we don't tend to question mm-hmm. them and it's something then that I, i i had of course all of us have problematic teachers you know yeah. growing up from grade school to to college but it was only when i started teaching when i realized that one of a lot of problematic teachers they tend to make they tend to teach 
treat education like a one-way street. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, it's just, the, it's just the students learning from them. It's like the teachers don't learn anything from the students. You know, so if the teacher makes a mistake, then it's not their mistake. It's a student's mistake. If the student has a creative solution to propose, then it's wrong because it doesn't it's uh, not uh, by the, yeah it didn't come yeah. from the teacher so yeah it didn't come from the teacher yeah so parang, a lot, uh, there are teachers that uh, feel like their word is gospel na parang yeah, yeah. Yun, yun lang talaga yung tama yeah and so collaborative process then and mm-hmm. may kulang talaga when it comes to measuring how how students learn because there are a lot of like I, I like when I would give exams and tests. I would I don't like giving you multiple choice or false yeah. whatever because I like to see how my students would talk about a particular topic, how mm-hmm. they would apply it to their daily life, yeah. or how they would use it to analyze a particular text, you know, or work of art. However, it's really difficult to check that. Yeah. But in Kasi particular, talaga. <laughs> yeah, masakit yun talaga. Like I would spend half an hour on just one one exam, <laughs> and thankfully I'm in a much I was in a much better situation than most teachers because I only had at a maximum like 80 students per 80 students per. Yeah per semester of 12 units. What about teachers with hundreds and hundreds of students? How would they be able to check that many test papers? So it's understandable for them to just, for them to resort to multiple choice para mas madaling check. Yeah. How, because that's how our particular educational system is geared towards, yeah. Bob. You know, Results-based. Yeah, results-based. And, you know, people really aren't encouraged to be teachers. Yeah. You know, They're encouraged really to be other, often, other occupations. Other occupations, you know, something that's more lucrative, being a lawyer, yes. perhaps, or going abroad, earning a better life there, which is also understandable. Okay, because if you're a teacher, especially a public school teacher, you know, I went into UP because, like, honestly, part of selfish reasons then, because I knew that UP, to an extent, UP teachers are much more privileged as compared mm-hmm. to other state university teachers. And they are, like, time. intellectually, you know, they do a lot. I mean, the common there that there are they're smarter basically or at least they produce better students i mean that's yeah, pretty much why we go it's not necessarily rooted in reality yeah uh, but anyway, yeah, so yeah, go ahead. What you were saying? So yeah, it was selfish reasons then because I knew that I would be getting a lighter teacher load, teaching mm-hmm. load, like twelve units, as compared to other state universities where the teachers teach like twenty-seven units yeah. or thirty units, or in a private private college where you teach like thirty units of like a hundred students each class. Tapos wala ka pang pay pag summer or pag yeah. teachers leave. So yeah. I knew how difficult it was in other universities. How. So this partly selfish reasons, selfish reasons then. But even even then, no, being an employee of UP isn't necessarily the privileged status a lot of us, you know, imagine it to be. Another thing I realized when I was teaching, you know, teaching isn't just a student and a teacher. There's so many other employees, there's so much, so many other kinds of labor which affect the educational process. I mean, like the administrative staff, you know. The entire UP system is built upon the backs of a, yeah, of, a, of, a lot of, of an underpaid, yeah. underappreciated administrative staff and also yeah. maintenance staff, much like every other government 
agency and, and private institutions. And you really, when, when you're teaching, really, they're, they're, they're instrumental when it comes to ensuring that, you know, sila yung naga, like pag med problema sa registration, I usually go to like the call, the office ng college secretary or kapag merong kilang ko maghiram ng mga gamit, I usually go to the admin staff. So they're also part of that collaborative process. So yeah, it's it's really it takes a village, it takes a huge, it takes takes a UP system to raise a child. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I mean, I thought about teaching there, uh, but in particular, because since I'm a chem major. Uh, pag nagturo ako as an instructor, I have to take uh, masters in chemistry because oh yeah, that's, yeah. Old, yeah, that's usually the way you know how it goes in uh, at least in the college of science. Ayo mm-hmm. ko muna magmasters, so I'm like yeah. never mind. Para di ko pa kaya. Masters ka abroad, ang hindi ko masters dito sa Pilipinas. Tapos <laughs> ano? Actually, kela ang like I was looking at the you know uh, opportunities abroad, and then I would see that sometimes it's not enough that you have a master's degree here. Parang if you have a master's degree here, it's ba- pretty much an equivalent to their undergrad pa lang sa ibang countries. Yeah, yeah. Country. So, yeah. Mm. It's so nice. Uh, but anyway, um, we'll just take a quick break and then when we get back, we'll have a few more uh, things to talk about. In the age of social distancing, online shopping has become the norm. I mean, who wouldn't want the convenience and safety of buying your much-needed goods from the comfort of your own home? That's why for me, my go-to online shopping site is Lazada. You can find great items and fantastic deals. The Pasara Tales has teamed up with Podmetrics and Lazada to bring you these wonderful finds. First-time users can also get 100 pesos discount on their first purchase. Just click the links in the description and start adding to cart. Looking for a podcast on TV and movie discussions? Try Review. Catch new episodes every Saturday, 6pm on your favorite podcast streaming platform. I'm your boy Wesley. Don't forget to smile today and see you in the next review. Alright, uh, welcome back. Uh, this week we still have uh, Lakan Omali as our guest. Um, you know, we'll just get to the actual thing why I asked you to come here because this is something yeah. that uh, as UP students we're very much exposed to this term but uh, I feel like some people have taken it for granted or at least some people have heard it too much that you know the meaning is lost in itself and so I just wanted to hear a thought about it as someone who's probably more immersed in it than I do. Uh, I always hear this word neoliberalism yeah. and how it's <laughs> And now it's very much related. I mean, we're just going right into it now. So, wala nang, wala nang pasabali. Neoliberalism, especially in the context of education. So, just for our listeners who probably have no idea what the word is about, what is neoliberalism? As in, in general. Uh, well, neoliberalism, it's generally a political economic framework which says that we should be able to apply the logic of the market to our human institutions and to human practices. So how do you measure success in the market? You know, profit, what is produced. So that This is in a capitalist kind of, society, basically. Yes. Yeah, it's in a capitalist society. It differs from certain. It differs from certain other schools, like for example, the Kinsnean School of Economics, wherein there are other capitalist schools where in kaya papaano there are social welfare programs. You know, it's not a, the certain institutions are 
are certain institutions are taken away from that market logic. However, under neoliberalism, you know, everything can be subsumed under that particular profit-oriented market logic of doing things. So, for example, uh, it's based like if let's just put it in a teacher analogy. It's yeah. like saying that our grades are pretty much you know how much money we earn for someone. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, kind of like that. Now. Yeah, and so. Uh, people might think that, parang, how is that good or bad in general? Yeah, yeah. Well, we always have to ask ourselves, you know, who's making these standards? And are these standards working for us? I mean, take for example, um, you know, we tend to think of these things as a bit uh, abstract concepts, but let's bring it down. Down to ground. Okay, whenever okay, whenever whenever people whenever there's news about the about UP or Ateneo or a Philippine university rising up in the world rankings of universities, yeah. now people tend to get happy because mm-hmm. it means that magandang educational quality ng UP. Getting standard means, kumbaga. Yeah, natatahimik ng onte yung mga nagsasabi na sa yung buwis ng bayan dahil <laughs> <laughs> release ka daw yung ginagawa uh, ng UP. <laughs> yeah. uh, so ng onte and uh, you know the, the funding of UP because UP gets uh, billions of pesos you know every year in funding yeah. you know it's justified because you have that ranking to show to the world that UP is highly ranked among the global educational system but Okay, let's look at the standards. How what how do universities get highly ranked in the QS rankings? Not necessarily student welfare, not necessarily, for example, satisfaction ratings, you know, satisfactory ratings in things like SET or um, feedback from students and teachers, but how many publications the university is able to create. You know, one of the biggest factors when it comes to universities getting highly ranked is how many publications their faculty members can publish and how often they are cited. Yeah. And the problem with that is that oftentimes, you know, everything else gets subsumed. You know, everything else becomes secondary to the objective of publishing. So it yeah. doesn't matter if breakdown ka na. It doesn't matter kung hindi mo Kailangan na- mo mag-produce mo. Yeah. And it's also problematic then for like a lot of fields. Because I remembered one of my, I had a colleague who said that in anthropology, why would you want to publish every year? Because in anthropology, the goal is to be immersed in the community and to really understand them for like years and years before you And you, you can't write do about that them. in less than a year, basically. Yeah, you Parang can't less do than that a year, you're going to immerse, then you're going to write etc. You can't yeah. do that in one year. Basically. Yeah, and it also affects, you know, how especially junior faculty members, especially um, younger, you know, the, the the newly hired people, not just faculty members, but also staff, you know, how they are treated. Like, for example, I'm sure you know the rule in UP, up or out. In UP, it means that when you're hired as an instructor, uh, when you're hired as an instructor, you get five years. Mm-hmm. If you don't finish an MA in five years, you're out. Yeah. That was after the five years. If you don't, if you don't like publish something in three years, um, then you're also out. Yeah. You get kicked out, which is a bit, you know, inhumane. It's a bit inhumane, right? Yeah. Because you can have the best. You can really have the best teachers, but if they don't publish anything, then and then the simula yung ane yung university politics, I guess. you know, without going too much into it, but basically, the people who do produce a lot will get more fanfare than the ones yeah. that are probably better teachers per se, but not necessarily as productive yeah. in terms yeah. of papers. Because yeah. I remember as well when I was thinking about if I were going to in, into the academy 
And I thought about, you know, teaching uh, in UP. Apart from the fact that, you know, I had to take a master's degree to teach there, para na paisip ako, if I am going to stay there, and ano yung upward uh, mobility ko? Like, how will I get yeah. promoted? And I had to look into that. And I remember na parang, in order to get promoted, you have to produce. You have to uh, publish. You have to do it. Uh-huh. And that yeah. doesn't seem like, medyo nalula ako. Kasi in particular, lalo sa science, you know, it takes yeah, a yeah. lot of resources. Yeah. It, yeah, takes it takes a lot, a lot of research. Kailangan mong mag-file ng grants, kailangan mong mag-file mm-hmm. ng... I mean, this is for any research, basically, but in particular mm-hmm. for science, kasi a lot of things can go wrong in science. Yeah. Like in the yeah, physical Yeah, you have to buy your, your materials or equipment. Buy your equipment, like when, it comes, yeah. when it comes to like interviewing with people, I can just talk to people with my recorder and my iPhone. Yeah. Be okay. Yung, in terms of God, ang puhunan niyo is basically the stories and the experiences that you have. In science, you know, mag uh, mag-apply ka ng pera para bumili ng equipment na kailangan mo kailangan mo justify yung uh, yeah. kung bakit ito yung kailangan mong gamit I, I I remember this because I was a I was a research assistant as well nag-RA yeah, ako yeah. sa UP eh. so like all this uh, purchasing process sobrang Oh the paperwork. The procurement. Oh, the my procurement. God. <laughs> oh, tampay uh, ako ng procurement office kasi when I was there, we were just, um, we were on the latter end. Buti nga latter end na eh. Kasi as in, uh-oh. malapit na dumating yung gamit. So, we had to monitor that. So, tampay ako ng, ano. Can you just like imagine how like sobrang higpit nila with like those small projects. Meanwhile, uh-oh. you have hundreds of millions of pesos and dolomite just dumped on Manila Bay. <laughs> <laughs> No <laughs> I've been there recently like so I recently I've been biking socially distant of course but when we passed by that area just go that, like that was hindi namin na-realize that that was the Sunday that they quote unquote opened oh <laughs> my gosh health and, mental health and <laughs> I feel like parang mas na-stress kami ng biking body ko na parang ang daming tao dito oh my gosh oh kita ka pa like, paglagpas namin dun, we were like spraying ourselves with alcohol like before we move forward. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, and then, me- oh, can, can I also add a bit? Go ahead. That? Um, and it's kind of like whenever, when I see UP right now, I get a bit distressed, but also I get a bit more motivated because I still, I see UP sliding more into that neoliberal hellhole of higher education yeah. that the US currently finds, finds themselves in. Because under neoliberalism, you know, profit is the primary motive. It doesn't matter if your workers are getting underpaid or if everyone is suffering mental health problems, you know, have to produce. Yeah. And right now, because I see like, I see that UP Diliman, they're doing that, they're hiring people as teaching associates or teaching assistants. I haven't basically seen that. I haven't ever heard about I've, it. I, I've, I've been seeing certain colleges hiring teaching assistants wherein basically you have people teaching um, first year, cla- you have pe- people teaching classes, but they don't have the same benefits as someone with a plantilla item or yeah. even someone who's a substitute. And that's actually very scary because it's a sign of, of increasing neoliberalism. That's, op- because that's also open to abuse, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like so so many TAs in the States are abused. Like, there was a case recently, high-profile case of a TA who died from overwork because they said that she was part of the perpetual academic underclass of the United States, you know? You hear horror stories from the States about teachers who are forced into sex work because they're not getting compensated enough as TAs, so it's scary. You know, yeah. the, the securities, to what, the, what little security that a lot of academic workers have, you know, it's getting eroded already. So just more motivation than to, to, to fight that that doesn't happen. Yeah. 
Um, in general, let's just go a bit deeper. So yeah. we've already discussed this a bit, but how is uh, neoliberalism in particular? You know, how is it related to education? How is it affecting uh, our education? It, it's. I, I think it's negatively affecting our education because right now you hear about all of these students who, of course, it's understandable. You know, I'm glad that people. I'm glad that students are complaining right now that yeah. they have mental health issues, that they they're having a really huge difficulty in class because it's making people reevaluate. Okay, what are what is the purpose of learning? You know, what is the purpose of learning? Are they learning to be able to be better people, to be able to acquire skills, or are they just learning for the sake of learning? Because, you know, under, for example, one of the key evaluations of the, the standards, a lot of the standards that um, that degree programs have to follow in UP are very neoliberal. Like, for example, how many publications their faculty produce, but also how many graduates, if the graduates are working in the fields that they are trained for. So if you're... You know, if you graduated BA English, do you go to law? Do you work as a copywriter? Okay, and then the the, the problem is, you know, what if, you know, not everyone is not everyone can thrive in this particular educational system. Yeah, I mean, this particular educational system of it, you know, being merit based, merit based, may mga tests, may mga exams, may mga readings. You know, it's good for some people, but it's not good for everyone. You know, all of us have different. All of us have different learning styles, but in sets. the UP class, what and yeah. skill sets? Yeah, all of us have different skill sets. Then, you know, uh, for for example, I rem- I remember that at st- when I was starting to teach in my GE classes, I used to usually my examples, my examples, my lecture examples came from like works of literature, written works of literature. But then I started realizing, okay, maybe not everyone, you know, I like this poem, I like this short story, but perhaps it might not be suited to the taste or it might not be, um, people might learn something different from a different work of art, for example, or from a different text, okay? Because people learn differently from different, you know, from different, um, topics and from different experiences, and then people also respond to it differently. I remembered in my in my assignments, you know, in my GE classes, I I let them submit whatever they want. Okay, if you want to submit a reaction paper, go ahead. Kung submit ng visual art, go ahead. If you want to submit a song for an assignment, go ahead. Because you know, people have different ways of processing yeah. that information. But the thing about you know UP and the larger educational system is is that it forces us. It forces a lot of us to. It forces a lot of students, especially, to be able to contort themselves into forms that they're not comfortable with. So basically, parang medyo one size fits all yung datingan ng yeah. neoliberalist education. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. in reality, not everyone has the same skill set, same not same uh, intelligences. Like yeah. you know, like the idea the idea of the multiple intelligence. Theory, yeah, parang, yeah. It's it's really true. Na you know, some people are just more creative. Some people yeah. are probably more uh, mathematically or scientifically minded. So, talagang iba ibang And I think that's also one thing that I discovered when I was a teacher, because mm-hmm. in the school that I'm working for, uh, not you know, coming me, I came from Pisay, I came from UP mm-hmm. College of Science. So, talagang science background ako ever since. Mm-hmm. But when I would start to teach here, this is a school where not everyone is into science, right? And that's not mm-hmm. necessarily a bad thing. It's yeah. just that you know. It's a different environment altogether, and that different kids would learn differently as well. Mm-hmm. How did we get into this point 
where we have a neoliberal uh, approach towards education. Uh, like I know, I know it's a very broad topic, uh, but in general, like just a quick background on how you know the Philippines came to as such. Like where did where did everything go wrong, basically? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's it's a long history. It started. Yeah. It actually um a lot of it started in the eighties. You know. Okay. With, the U.S. and U.K. governments veering away from the social welfare state to a state which was geared towards incentivizing uh, private profit and the private market. And um, because, you know, the Philippines, you know, the, the U.S. sneezes. Pretty much copies everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Philippines copies. And because a lot of the, because we're so dependent upon like foreign aid, di ba? Ang daming, yeah. ang daming hiniram ng gobreno dahil sa COVID. You know, because yeah. we're so dependent upon foreign aid and foreign loans. We have to, of course, abide by those particular standards. Yeah, we have to abide by those standards. It was around Which the is, 80s and we just never got out of it, basically. Of course, many people are questioning it. Many people are questioning it, and I think that uh, I think that this pandemic is making us really refocus. Yeah. You know what kind of society and what kind of economy are we making? You know who's benefiting from it, especially this kind of educational system. Who's benefiting from it? Yeah, and also you know it exposed a lot of things that are already wrong in this society. Yeah, it's I ever since this pandemic started, you know not like. Take away that whole idea of you know we handled it poorly on the medical side. It yeah, also yeah, yeah. exposed other societal ills that we already have. The parasigoro we just ignored or we just became numb yeah. to, and then now is that no, it's out in the open now. It's affecting oh. us deeply. So because so like we it, can't turn away from it anymore. Because yeah. like for example, the internet. You know, mm-hmm. before Next. we could we could cope with internet but now we have <laughs> internet for classes i'll have to edit that out but anyway but yeah that's true na parang, you know like internet parang we used to take it as a privilege you know, well it is a privilege but at the same time we, parang dati kasi we can at least go outside yeah. Parang, yeah. now we're stuck and dito na nakasalari like education and working so we can prompt ourselves in a jeep, but now it's yung mga jeep, it's yung public transportation. Yeah, exactly. So, it's a exposed na All right, so yeah. we talked about uh, neoliberalism in education. We talked about how it's uh, being propagated, I suppose, here in, in our society. Um, I just wanted to pick your brain a bit on what do you think about privatization of education in terms of like, you know, you have all these private schools and of course, there maybe when you were younger, we always thought yeah. that private schools were quote-unquote better because we're yeah. paying for it, etc. And you probably have better stuff than public schools would do. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I don't want to antagonize all private schools. Yeah. No? Because alam naman natin, may mga private schools na talaga mukhang pera. <laughs> uh, but there are but also private schools yeah. that are, you know, are progressive. progressive. Luman, Luman schools are technically private schools, no? Oh, yeah, of course. Because they yeah. But the problem talaga is that private schools are like, um, they they don't, the uh, private schools are like a response to the fact we haven't addressed the root, what, some of the root problems in our educational system. You know, what do I mean by that? You know, why do people go to private schools? Because, you know, they don't want their kids to suffer the difficulties of a public educational system. Overcrowded classrooms, overworked yeah. teachers. So the private schools, they're kind of like a band-aid to the yeah. present problem 
of the accessibility and quality of education. Because, you know, if there are actually, if there was free, accessible, quality, and widespread public education, I'm sure that there wouldn't be as many private schools as we have until today. I've actually been thinking about it recently. You know, I think that, like, please tell me if I'm wrong, but sometimes I think that science high schools are also a result of this because, like, why do a lot of people, why do a lot of kids go to science high schools? Because there's some of the public schools which are still better funded, which are better, which are better equipped, which have better teachers. And it forces a lot of kids who are not necessarily good in science or don't necessarily like science to have to take a science curriculum. I do remember, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm done. You know, I remember because since you know, I came from Pisay. And well, personally, mm-hmm. I went there because I do want science. So at least I yeah, yeah. went there for the ideal reasons. But I do remember a lot of my batchmates and a lot of my schoolmates. So parang, you know, they were a lot more creative. They were <laughs> they were fit for other things. And must be evident yun when they graduated and when they went to UP, you see them yeah. not taking science courses, sorry, USD. But basically, <laughs> yeah, they would, you know, veer away from their scientific training. And while that's not because, you know, they hated science, maybe yeah. they did, but it's not the general thing. It's just that they felt more comfortable in other fields. Yeah. And so I think, and I'm not saying, I'm not speaking for everyone who's ever went to Pisai or any public science high school. Yeah. But I think one reason is because Pisai has that, you know, it's a, it's technically a public school yeah, because yeah. it is funded by the government. Mm-hmm. However, I think some people view it as the epitome of the what the ideal public school should look like yeah. or should have. Like, you have all these equipment, you mm-hmm. have all these uh, great uh, teachers with great training, and it's mm-hmm. free. And may stipend. And may stipend. Ang kapalit lang talaga is you have to take a science course. Yeah. So parang, I think that's probably the main reason. I mean, I remember when we were uh, applying for PSI, you know, apart from the fact that I like the science course, parents said na at least they would have four years to save up for my college. Yeah, Kasi yeah. libre. And yun yeah. nga, may stipend. So, yun yung, mm-hmm. yun yung upside ng pagpunta yeah. sa PSI. But I can imagine how some kids were probably not as inclined or not as, uh, who don't like science as much as, um, you know, I do or other people do, uh, being forced into it. Kasi nga, yeah. libre. And magandang yeah, oh, education. So, yeah. doon nagkakatala And of course, may, meron talagang, like we really see that there is a disadvantage if you're, um, may, may disadvantage talaga ang like, people from from public schools because if you look at the people who are accepted who passed to UPCAT, majority are either from science high schools or from public or, or from private high schools. Our private high schools, yung mga public high schools, either they're very underrepresented, especially in, especially you know in Diliman. And it's not to say that you know, it's not to say that students from public high schools are less skilled or less intelligent. It's just that they're in a situation which is less conducive to learning because again, you know, overworked teachers, yeah. overcrowded classrooms. Nagpapatong-pato talaga na. Yeah. Yung inadequacies ng. Uh, lower education, elementary, mm-hmm. high school. They be bring I, up I, until college. Mamai, one of the professors I mentioned that I really loved, she had this one really nice anecdote in a class mm-hmm. where she was talking about how, you know, you know, there are a lot of newspaper articles that say a lot of things like, you know, anak ng cleaner, anak ng tricycle driver, yeah. graduate sa Pisay ng valedictorian. Yeah. 
you know, and you know, initially she said that it's nice to hear those things, you know, those that, that all that bright news in the middle of this doom and gloom. But if you look at it even more, a lot of it is, you know, middle class comfort because it erases the reality that okay, this particular poor kid managed to be able to be valedictorian. But what about the other poor kids? You know, yeah. what about who are at a huge disadvantage? Because you know, if you're if you're a rich and and speaking as someone from the middle class, you know, if you're yeah. middle class or middle class, it's so much easier to study. Like oh. it's so much you don't have to do as many chores. You have a room to yourself, may laptop ka, which speaks of the fact that a lot of the things that affect our educational system aren't necessarily found in the educational system. It's mostly like uh, you know privileged talaga in your Yeah. It's part yeah. of the larger holistic life. Yeah. Not even necessarily class. I mean, what if LGBT ka tapos binabuli ka sa school? You know, you won't be able to learn them. True. Or if you're a teenage girl who keeps on getting slut-shamed. You know, there's so many factors that affect a person's education. And that's the problem then with neoliberalism. It flattens the it flattens the complexity of each person's situation. If you fail, you failed because you're a, you're you're a bad student, not may not because you know you might be going through something personal yeah. or because the educational system isn't fit for you. It doesn't uh, it doesn't take into consideration the other factors. It's just mm-hmm. that you know if you can't produce, you're awful. Get out. Basically, yeah. And I um, think you yeah. might yeah. You know, This no, is, you, you mentioned ahead. that this you mentioned that the pandemic can expose a lot of things, yeah. and I think this is this is another that the pandemic exposed that you know students' home life it will they it will affect their learning. Yeah, Kasi, because yeah they they can't they can't go away from it anymore. You know, before the pandemic they could go to school, they could go to a library to an extent, pero ngayon nasa bahay na lang sila. And then we really see the divide between people who can afford a good work from home and study from home setup versus people na pumuntang highway or pumuntang 7-Eleven or pumuntang yeah. uh, bako, pumuntang kalsada para lang makahagilap ng internet. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yun nga eh there's that and also you know if we're doing online classes of course you'll see the camera and then makita yung set up sa bahay minsan maririnig ko ni mga kapitbahay mo so talaga na expose talaga yung uh yung home life ng most um the kids so not just the kids but teachers as well yeah, like yeah. you know, you'd see teachers as well you know trying their best to you know of course you know, a while ago we said that we had this notion that teachers are quote unquote perfect and they had yeah. to present this uh, uh this facade their students pero sometimes sila rin naapektuhan talaga yeah yeah grabe talaga especially like grade school and high school public mm-hmm. school teachers like grabe yung ginagawa nila to be able to get their students at least to learn yeah which and parang nakakaiyak siya pero nakagalit at the same time na parang the burden talaga of adjusting is placed upon us and not people in charge <laughs> of true. our state true uh, but anyway so yeah that we mentioned like i I feel like most of the episode we've been mentioning a lot of, you know, ills and a lot of uh, cons towards this. And then I'm pretty sure there's going to be at least one person who's listening to this episode. Na parang eh, so ano nang dapat natin gawin? Like, of course, that whole dichotomy was mine. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, parang yung uh, ano ba yan? Yung black and white concept na uh, kung hindi ito anong dapat natin gawin. So, what do you propose? You know, how do you propose our education system. Of course, we can't do it in a day. I don't. I, I, yeah, I feel. I don't expect to happen uh, very drastically. But what should 
our um, educational system? What are the steps that they should take in order to go to veer away to, uh, from neo uh, from a neoliberalist uh, idea yeah. and towards a more, I suppose, more humane or more equi- uh, equitable, uh, you know, education system for everyone? Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult talaga, no? because like we're not we're not like the one percent. We don't have the capital to like yeah. set up our own school or hindi tayo na parang undersecretary secretary na pwede magdikta kung yeah. ano yung curriculum. But at the same time, I think well a lot of it then can start with things like this, like podcasts, you know, being aware that the present state of things it's not the natural it's not order. Yeah. It's not like this forever. It's something which can be changed. You know, that that awareness is enough. There was this one very good chapter in Noli, in, in Noli Matanghere, The Travails of the Schoolmaster, where in Rizal, he, very, he was very good when he came to talking about the problem with education in that, in, you know, in the chapter he was talking about how um, the schoolmaster that Ibarra was talking to, the schoolmaster kept on getting students to memorize textbooks in Spanish which they couldn't understand. Yeah. He always had to whip them to make sure that they learned. He used fear to be able to instill learning. And when in Rizal, um, he mentioned how instead, of, you know, that's wrong because the students don't end up learning. Instead, the school should be a place of what he called intellectual recreation. You know, recreation mm-hmm. in the sense that you can have fun. Because and learning, learn. I, it, this sounds cliche, but learning can be fun. Yeah, it if, is. If, tiring mm-hmm. it's tiring it's exhausting but when you finish that paper or when you do that experiment which is successful you get the sense of satisfaction and joy yeah. in that you're able to learn more about the world and also learn more about yourself so that kind of thinking also helps you know oftentimes when I was teaching and you know because I was if you're a teacher naman in UP whether you like it or not you abide by those neoliberal standards or else mawawalan ka ng trabaho but it's also recalled that may, may, mga, may mga espasyo naman for negotiation may mga espasyo naman na for resistance no for when it comes to for example lecturing in class I always try I always try to get feedback from my students so that hindi lang pura ako yung nagsasalita. Yeah. I try to um, let them read books or stories or essays which they might not read outside of the outside of the classroom or let them watch movies which might not necessarily you know be viewed inside the classroom. However, you know, again, the individual can only do so much, no? Uh, and and you know this is where you know if if you wanna go further you can also organize naman because you yeah. can organize with other teachers to assert your rights you know if you're a student you can join student org because you know when I joined the student orgs you know it really helped me not even the political orgs kahit yung academic orgs like the anthropology society writers club you know being part of an organization also helped me you know be a better person and also realize that you know, the present neoliberal order it doesn't have to always be that way. And then when I started teaching, it was part of the academic union. And then in the union, I could really see how people banded together to assert for, you know, more benefits, to assert for more humane teaching load, to assert for better conditions, especially for the younger faculty. So, you know, um, be more aware, but at the same time, organize one another to be able to find, you know, there are certain, there are certain, of course, long-term goals like, yeah. Justice equality, but of course there are also short-term goals. Then, man, I'm sure every yeah. school, every every student, every teacher has you know short-term goals which they could uh, unite to be able to address. 
no, even if it's something as seemingly simple as um, students, even if it's something like student spaces, you know, rallying for student spaces or, or, or pushing for student spaces or better org recognition or um, an academic break, especially right now in um, pandemic learning. So, you know, working towards those short, while working towards those short-term goals, you can keep in mind the long-term goal, but at the same time, don't lose sight of, you know, what needs to be done right now in your particular situation. Yeah. And it's good that you mentioned organization because I think yeah. uh, recent, in recent years, parang, you know, that term has been misappropriated to the mean na parang, you know, mga nag-rally lang yan, mga walang oh. ginagawa lang yan. And yun yan, like you mentioned, it doesn't even have to be a political org. It could just yeah. be, you know, an organ, an academic org where you have people of the same interest as you and then you get to talk about these issues, about how it's affecting your particular field. That's already a lot because, you know, yeah, now, a lot. now in recent times, I re- I've seen that, you know, because I'm also part of an academic org. I was part of UPACME, Association of Chemistry mm. Majors and Enthusiasts. And I could see that, you know, throughout the years after I graduated, uh, they veered towards, uh, you know, immersing themselves in other issues, not just the, you know, not just the chem side, but how, you know, all these social issues. And while some people might see na parang, ano ba yan, lahat na lang napupulitika, ganyan. And so, in a way, it's also a good thing because, you know, you can see that everything is related to one another. Yeah, so, yeah. These things are not in a vacuum na parang, yeah. you know, pag mo chemistry or science lang, hindi dapat yung naging uh, nababayang na politika or whatever. It's unavoidable that there are things that are related to each other. And one of mm-hmm. which would be, yun nga, uh, our society. Um, just quickly, I just want to pick your brain on this because I've, uh, no. I've always wanted to ask you about this. So recently, there are calls for an academic freeze. And, yeah. you know, personally, I have my views on it, but I want to get your opinion on what do you think about it. Quickly. It's, like, yeah. it's difficult. No, it's a very complicated issue. Yeah. Because on one hand, on one hand, you know, students and teachers really do need a break. Like, yes. I know so many, like, UP professors didn't, weren't able to have their teachers leave because they were making the course packs and they were mm-hmm. making uh, adjustments towards distance learning. And the students also, it's, it's a really diffi- difficult situation learning in the middle of this pandemic as if, you know, as if yeah. the world's okay. As, yeah, like everything's normal. <laughs> as if walang COVID, as if uh, climate change. Pero at the same time, you know, um, what happens to the teachers na no work, no pay? Exactly. What happens to the students na hindi kaya mag-delay ma- for one year kasi inaasahang silang magtrabaho yeah. as soon as they graduate? So it's a complicated it's a complicated thing talaga. I think right now, may mga calls for an academic break mm-hmm. in the middle of the year. Yeah. May mga calls for an academic break. And I think... That is very sad. What? Sorry, Jim? Hindi ba sembrick lang yun? Yeah, parang sembrick lang yun. Sembrick lang yun, di ba? Yeah. And I think it's a very sound, it's a very sound call. And I think that a lot of these problems are really do lie on the higher-ups. Because for one thing, like for example, in UP, who decided to open the school year on September 8th instead of October? It was mm-hmm. the Board of Regents, despite mm-hmm. the overwhelming opposition of the yeah. UP community. And I think that also shows the importance of organization then, because parang kung isa ka lang taong, sino makikinig sa'yo? Would yeah. Briones listen to you? But if you're a union or if you're an organization, at least you, you have know, and you, you know, more standing. At least you have yeah. more standing. 
yeah, you have more standing then and you have uh, you have a larger voice. So I hope personally whatever whatever like teachers and students talk about, like I would support it. Not just like not necessarily I would pref- I would rather listen to yung mga estudyante teachers talaga na taga Kanayunan like yung mga sa provinces na walang internet yung mga um talaga mahirap or one poor for example because they're the ones who are ultimately going to be most affected by yeah. this I mean it's not to say na walang problema tayo as the middle class no I mean <laughs> we have 99 no. problems in this pandemic but to an extent you know we can adjust we have that room for adjustment but if you're poor talaga or if you're a, a peasant's uh, a peasant's child then there's far less room for adjustment so the policy really must be geared more towards you and your particular concerns and you know, i just wanted to ask you that because you know i think uh we see it on social media especially for those people who are calling uh for you know an academic fees and i think What is being lost in the new? Uh, what what the what is being lost in those you know tweets and posts and the nuance? So, parang this is not as simple as you know saying na oh break muna time first muna. Because yun nga, uh, you did mention that if we do have an academic freeze, there are repercussions. You'll mm-hmm. have teachers who are going to be out of work because they won't be you know getting paid for it. Uh, of course, you have the delays that will have uh, that students will have. Yun nga, parang kung merong graduating na silang inaasahan mm-hmm. na mag uh, magtataguyod uh, and also would you know even if we want to veer away from uh, a more capitalist society yun nga mababawasan ng workforce we need kasi, to make money <laughs> wala, oh we need <laughs> to make <laughs> money pa rin so parang it, it talagang domino effect siya so mm-hmm. it's not as simple as say na parang yun nga na we need break you know i i think my my point uh, when i made a post about it is that Uh, this call would have been a lot uh, more effective if this happened a few months ago, and then that freeze was utilized to prepare better. But now we're in October, and now everything is already happening. Parang if we do that again, it will just be worse than you know. And, and that's just me, but uh, I appreciate that you shared your sentiment. So we already discussed a lot about the you know education international level. So you know, just a few more questions before I let you go. Uh, this is more introspective now. So let's yeah, just yeah. take a break now from, from all these <laughs> societal issues. Um, a bit more introspective. A bit uh, okay, okay. things that will make you think, I guess. So personally, what do you think are your strengths and weaknesses as an educator? Strengths and weaknesses as an mm-hmm. educator? Yes, this is actually well, a job uh, interview. So. Yeah, well, surprise! Surprise! Hi, I'm Fidel So. Yo pala chance yung Guliman. Yeah. Strengths um I think like I am very grateful I'm very grateful to UP for teaching me that particular way of not just learning but also viewing the world in uh, a very critical and specific way. Critical and specific in the sense that I think that kaya natin mag-adjust or at least yeah. kaya ko naman mag-adjust. You know, it's one of the I guess it's a difficulty then in teaching, no? Like you always have mm-hmm. to be on your toes because your your students are gonna be yeah. on their toes. So they're gonna ask be asking you a lot of questions that might not necessarily come out in the syllabus or in, in the, the workbook. Plan. Also, you really have to think, no? You can't just you can't just fake it. 
which is you know it's also good training for the real world because what kind of textbook would give you all the answers for the covid pandemic no, or for academic true. freeze uh, so that kind of um the kind of critical critical animated thinking i think that's something that i'm grateful to up for having instilled in me at the same time weak, weakness my god where do i begin <laughs> I'm such a sleepy person. My God, oh, I sleep man. all the time. <laughs> True. Like I'm so ta- like that's the like I was known for that in the faculty of uh, like in our UP men. Like I would just like get on my chair and maglalatag ako ng ng malong sa mukha ko and I would just Tulog sleep. <laughs> and then pinapa like if students need to ask me something, pina- like ginigising na lang nila ako. <laughs> like suddenly they go because I'm really a sleepy person. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, oh, oh. I think most teachers lack sleep in general. I remember because yeah. when I asked this question, like I'm going to ask the next uh, the next question, uh, and this next question because her answer was you know sleep. So the next question was supposedly, what's your biggest goal as an educator? I guess a few episodes ago, or I think last episode, parang she mentioned that her biggest goal was sleep. But <laughs> <laughs> like, what is your biggest goal as an educator? Me, my biggest goal is an educator. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want like a nice, I want a nice stable job that <laughs> gives me enough money to survive and yeah. don't extend, you know, go on vacation once in a while. You know, <laughs> let me feed that, let me like, let me adopt a dog so I could feed them, let me buy some books because I love, you know, as you can see from my back, yeah, I love of books. Course. And just that stability. If I it's such a zoomer millennial thing, no stability. Because it's world funny is because rock. I had yeah, I had like guests who are you know considerably you know older than you, and of course they have these you know goals that they have, and some of these were like uh you know Gen Xers who probably have better goals than you. These millennials would be like, I just want a stable job. I want to have <laughs> good mental health. It's like so <laughs> basic. It's kind of sad, but you know I guess that's pretty much our goal as a as a generation. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I, I, just I want, want to be, like my goal right now is to finish the book and have it published and hopefully people <laughs> will buy it so I can yes. make money kahit um, pa, uh, no? yeah and get your degrees yeah. alright um, final thoughts any yes. advice for someone who's listening right now who's probably thinking about getting into um, it's a progress, you know. All everything, it, it's it's progress. No, it's always a process. It's a progress. It's a process. No, everything's a process. I I think that's that like that's like something that we always have to consider. Because the especially us millennials, Gen Zs, we tend to think that, parang, oh my god, wala ako bahay at twenty five. I'm a failure. <laughs> oh my god, I don't have like fifty k a month salary by yeah by by like thirty. I'm a failure. Or like we tend to think of everything as life or death, mm-hmm. which is you know to an extent there are urgent things of course, but at the same time everything's a process. Naman, if you make a mistake, learn from it. But at the same time, you know it's just part of becoming a better person, and it's not something which ever ends. I think the process of changing and learning and growing is something which never ends. Which I think also speaks to the weakness of like measuring everything by outcome. Because like after the exam, after the quiz, the student will still learn. After the, after the, I think that's what, like, you mentioned the goals then. I think it's all one of my main goals. Na sana, like, if you mga students ko, sana even after class, they take what they learned 
or at least they take the critical thinking they learned from my class and apply it to whatever they decide to do. They take that particular processual, critical, incisive way of looking at the world and they take it, they, they take that imagination. That's what I want to be able to teach, hopefully, imagination. Mm-hmm. Kasi we really need more imagination because we tend to think that <laughs> the present way of doing things is the only way of doing things. Na parang yeah. the only way to procure something is to get three quotations and then <laughs> go to the very tedious goal process. there must be more efficient ways of doing government of doing yeah. government spending. Sobrang war flashbacks nung three quotations. <laughs> I just, ugh. Oh man. But yes, uh, very well said. Thank you very much, Nakan, mm-hmm. for coming in today. Um, Thank you, then JM. Do you have anything to plug, promote, anything? Oh no, I'm just very grateful to ev. I'm very grateful to you, JM, for inviting me here, yeah. and I'm very grateful that like you are making this podcast to be able to mm-hmm. really give a thorough and incisive yeah. look at what teachers and what educators and students also have to go through. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, coming like uh, just a quick sidebar. You know. I was thinking about you know episode ideas and I thought about this and I guess the cautious side in me was a bit worried because some of the topics that we discussed were a bit you know divisive especially nowadays yeah. in this political climate. Yeah. Uh, but what I think what listeners, if there's any takeaway that listeners have, it's not that we're trying to indoctrinate them or indeed yeah, like, yeah. I, I, it's not that. It's that you know this is a reality that. You know, everyone has to observe, and whether or not you agree with the things that were said in this episode, you know, it's happening, and it's up to you. I guess it's up to everyone to, you know, decide on their own just to elevate the discourse. I think that's all we can hope yeah. to do. Yeah. Like, uh, so, you know, I'm really grateful that, uh, you know, I got you as a resource speaker uh, because I can't do this on my own. If I tried to do, if I tried to do this kind of episode on my own, it would be, you know, it would be met with a lot of scrutiny, uh, to say the least. Uh, so, yeah. but thank you very much, Nakan, for coming. Yeah. Thank you, then, Jay. Yeah, and Anytime. of course, yes, of course. Thank you, of course, to our listeners. Uh, you know, be sure to check us, to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the at the Pizarro Tales. If you have any messages or comments, um, if you want to email us, the Tales at gmail.com. The original music that you heard and will hear was composed by E.J. Berlin. Once again, this is Sir Jay wishing you a wonderful day.